Welcome to Dr. Carol's Couch with your host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. All comments, views, and opinions are solely those of Dr. Lieberman, her guests, and callers. Now it's time to have a seat on Dr. Carol's Couch. Here's your host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome to today's edition of Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Well, since tomorrow is the 18th anniversary, the 18th year anniversary of 9-11, today's show is going to be all about 9-11, which, by the way, um, changed my life. It changed a lot of people's lives, though not quite in the same direction as mine. Um, I am a born and bred New Yorker, and I was already living in California, in Los Angeles, by the time 9-11 happened, but uh, I am a (laughs) New Yorker at heart, and when that happened, um, I asked myself what I could do to help America and to help the rest of the world, since terrorism is not limited to America. Um, what I could do to help people cope with the ongoing threat of terrorism. And so, indeed, I am calling today's show 9-11, An Inconvenient Truth. Terrorists Still Want to Kill Us. So I'm going to be talking today about um, how what has been happening over the years, the 18 years since 9-11, how the media and all of us, really, to some degree, have been getting more and more entrenched in our denial, and at the same time, how 9-11 is affected. If you are listening to this show, (laughs) it has affected you. It has affected everybody. The question is how much denial you're in and how much you don't want to believe that it has affected you. But I will be telling you all about that, and you will see certain things in yourself that you can recognize. Um, The key is that 9-11 wasn't perpetrated by two drunk pilots who crashed in the World Trade Center or by the other pilots who crashed into a field in Pennsylvania and into the Pentagon. Uh, That is what you might think, (laughs) If you didn't know better, if you hadn't been paying attention, uh, if you just listen to what the media, how the media covers 9-11, this anniversary, you and when you don't hear the mention of terrorism, you are led to think that, oh, well, maybe it was just an accident. These two pilots weren't terrorists. They didn't mean to crash into the World Trade Center. They were just lost. They were just drunk. They were confused. <laughs> they were just lost, and they happened to hit into those buildings. Same thing for Washington, D.C., and, and Pennsylvania. They were just kind of lost, right? Wrong. So well, let me tell you, I mean, I'll, I'll continue telling you about how it affected my life, but let me first um, tell you about, because every year since 9-11, and I have been doing all kinds of things to help people cope, with terrorism, this, you know, this thing that didn't really happen, right, um, since then. And every year, so I've been paying close attention and I have been doing various things, television shows, speaking engagements, um, book uh, events, 
because of my two books about terrorism and so on. So I have been paying very, very close attention to what has been happening for each year on 9-11. And each year, to my chagrin and sadness, I see that um, it is covered less and less. It is the truth is told less and less. And why does that matter? Because, well, it matters for a lot of reasons. It matters because, um, because we need to keep this memory alive, not just to honor the people who died. And, of course, um, these are not only the victims in, at the spots where the planes crashed into America, but also we have even more victims who have died since 9-11 the people who were at ground zero, particularly with what is called 9-11 cancers. So I will tell you about that, too. Um, where to start? Well, I know where to start. <laughs> um, perhaps one of the most worrisome uh, places where it has become obvious that there is an effort to bury 9-11, to bury who perpetrated 9-11 and where, what it was really about, um, and, of course, one of the main reasons why we shouldn't bury it is because we have to remember, as I said at the beginning, that terrorists have, are still wanting to kill us. This has not gone away. 9-11 happened in 2001, but <laughs> terrorists have not given up wanting to destroy the West. Um, we have seen many, many instances of attacks. No, there hasn't been an attack yet as big and dramatic as 9-11, but that does not mean that one isn't coming. And what we need to do is to prepare ourselves, and I'll go into that a little bit uh, later. At the the end of the show, I will tell you about that, um, how to prepare yourself if you're an adult and how to prepare your children. Um, But, you know, not only... So not only do we need... uh, to have homeland um, security, you know, figuring out all kinds of ways. And and we have military, we have um, uh, other security efforts that are going on and so on. Not only do they have to still be doing this in a very active way, which they are, presumably, because you wouldn't believe how many terrorist plots have been foiled. The reason why you wouldn't believe it is because they get buried, just like 9-11, they get buried in the newspapers. There's maybe, they're in some papers, maybe for one day, not necessarily a headline, I mean, not a front page headline. Um, and, and some of these are in New York City. They, they're really all over the U.S. And, of course, they're in other countries as well. Um, so, so we can't forget, we can't go to sleep about this, because then we are more vulnerable, and we can't go to sleep about um, making ourselves more resilient either because we are more vulnerable. So getting back to what I was saying was um, sort of a a new height or a new low, really, uh, in terms of sweeping 9-11, the anniversary, under the rug. There um, is a story about how at the Senate hearing, and this story, by the way, is in Breitbart. It is not in, it's not on Google News. It's not in mainstream media in any prominent way. Fortunately, it's on Breitbart.com. 
And the headline is 9-11 Senate hearing, no mention of radical Islam. Climate change is major threat. This is a new one. (laughs) We don't have to worry about terrorists anymore. Just climate change. Well, let me tell you about this. I mean, whether you believe in climate change or not, um, (laughs) on a 9-11 Senate hearing, um, you... (laughs) Uh, climate change and some of the other things that they brought up, rather than mention radical Islam, you know, which is uh, what the perpetrators were all about of 9-11, to mention all these other things uh, that might also need attention, but to to add insult to injury, um, not only was no mention of radical Islam made by senators during um, yesterday's Senate Homeland Security Committee hearing, which was held at the National 9-11 Memorial and Museum in New York City just days before uh, the 18th anniversary of the 9-11 attacks. It's, it's like um, uh, political correctness and political divisiveness are causing people to lose their minds. Um, so the the only references um, to Islamic terrorism were made by former Secretary of Homeland Security Michael Chertoff, and he mentioned quote jihadi terrorists three times. Other than that, you would think that um, terrorism is no longer a threat to our country. Uh, instead, we have senators saying, quote, climate change poses an, ex- an existential threat to America and Earth. This is Senator uh, Gary Peters, a Democrat from Michigan. Oh, yes, Michigan, you know, that's, uh, that's no wonder that he would be saying that um, instead of saying uh, terrorists. Um, he's on the committee on the, he's a member, of, this is pretty scary, he's a ranking member of the Senate Homeland Security and Governmental Affairs Committee, and he's thinking that climate change is what we should be paying attention to. He linked climate change to 9-11 in his opening remarks, and he called on the Department of Homeland Security to prioritize halting climate change over terrorism. I mean, somebody... Um, Somebody should call for a psychiatric examination of him and any of the other senators who were saying similar things. Um, What he said was, I'll read you some of this, climate change poses an existential threat not only to the United States but our entire planet. The Department of Homeland Security is our first line of defense against these and other challenges. Since when is the Homeland um, Department of Homeland Security supposed to be in charge of combating climate change? <laughs> oh, man, we are in deep trouble. <laughs> um, he also uh, mentioned white supremacist violence. He didn't call them domestic terrorists. He called it white supremacist violence. So whenever people mention that, they're trying to, uh, you know, that's supposed to be a dig at Trump. And then somebody else um, talked about, uh, Napolitano talked about um, the U.S. border with Mexico 
is not a threat to the homeland. Well, that happens to not be true. Um, I have talked about that before uh, because, in fact, there are terrorists coming through the Mexican border. I mean, besides drugs and, and uh, traffic, human trafficking and all of that, they have actually found, caught real terrorists, um, jihadi, <laughs> jihadi terrorists coming across the border because the, it's so easy. They can't come across the border as easily flying into New York or Miami, um, but crossing the border in Mexico has become a lot easier for everybody. Then some people brought up gun safety, you know, all these other political issues. Uh, two days before 9-11, the anniversary. So uh, it is really sad that both political correctness and um, partisanship depending upon what party you belong to, because Democrats don't find terrorism as dangerous, apparently, as uh, Republicans do. Um, but it isn't just, you know, I don't want to make it a, a partisan issue either. It's not just Democrats. It's not any, it's just that in this particular meeting, the people who are bringing up climate change and guns and Mexico's border, uh, instead of talking about 9-11, even though they were in the 9-11 museum, is, is just preposterous. Anyhow, let me tell you some more. <laughs> There's so much, so much to talk about. Now, um, I was saying that, uh, that we are all affected by this. And one of the things that is a particularly uh, significant issue today, because today happens to be World Suicide Prevention Day. Well... <laughs> Did you know that suicides have increased since 2001, since 9-11? And yet, I have, I have yet to read anybody or hear anybody talk about the connection between the increase in suicides and 9-11. Clearly, there is one. <laughs> um, there are... 9-11 uh, has caused Things like, or things including PTSD, and not just in the people who were at uh, the sites of where we were attacked, but even if you were watching 9-11 on television, the news again and again and again, over that when it happened or over the years, people, they found that people who even just watched it on television again and again and again could get PTSD from just watching it. So that we're talking about a lot of people. And PTSD um, can cause, we've seen this in vets, can, because of its various symptoms, can cause suicide, as can other things that 9-11 uh, caused, like anxiety, depression, memories of people jumping off the World Trade Center, insecurities, pessimism, even kids, who were not born at the time of 9-11, who weren't alive yet, they are being affected because of the impact of 9-11 on their parents. Uh, there are other things that 9-11 has caused, um, such as substance abuse, alcohol and drug abuse have increased since then, obesity has increased since then, insomnia, people who are... Uh, aren't sleeping, are also more prone to committing suicide because they're kind of 
less in touch with reality and in making good decisions and so on. So all of the various things that have increased statistically, it has been shown that these things that I mentioned, we know there's an obesity epidemic, for example, and that started from 9-11. And why? Because people are eating comfort food, stuffing themselves with comfort food. And why insomnia? Because people are very worried. Now, they, they may not realize that a lot of what they're worried about is being attacked again um, by terrorists. But that is certainly a contributing factor to their insomnia. It's a general sense of insecurity because Americans never believed that we would be attacked on our own territory. Um, yes, there was Pearl Harbor, but that isn't quite the same thing as New York. This was in the, in the main part of the actual land of the U.S. I mean, yes, Hawaii, of course, is a state. And so that was uh, American land, but it is an island, and um, it didn't have quite the same psychological impact as New York and Washington, D.C. and Pennsylvania. So I will let you think about these things for a bit, and then we will come back, and I'll tell you more about why it is, how you may be affected, and um, why it is so important that we not forget 9-11. the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787, Hello? and ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships, check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com These days, everyone is looking for information on staying young, healthy, and fit. The Voice America Health and Wellness Network is here to help you on your quest to better health and a better you. We talk about everything from diet, fitness, and aging to substance abuse, personal growth, mental health, and much more. Learn from our experts who cover health and wellness from traditional and holistic perspectives. Tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Healthy living starts here. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll free at 1 866 472 5788. Now back to the show. Here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch, where today we're talking about 9-11, since it is going to be the 18th anniversary 
of 9-11 tomorrow. Now, I am sure you remember where you were. Everybody remembers, not just Americans, but this is a tragedy that really affected the whole world because not only, as I was talking about earlier, did it shock our systems in America in terms of um, the feeling we, we always felt that no one, I mean, yes, there was World War One and World War Two, but that was uh, conducted in other places. And um, again, except for, except for um, in Hawaii, you know, of course, uh, Pearl Harbor. But um, it, it's we see, we felt we were had this false sense of security. Apparently, that's when we realized it was a false sense of security, because we felt untouchable that no one would dare uh, commit an act of war or aggression or killing people on our soil, on our mainland soil. Uh, so it was a total shock, and it was also a, t- a shock for everybody in the world because even though it wasn't their country, um, the fact, in a sense, that America, who did seem so untouchable to everyone, really, that if, that, if this could happen to America, then absolutely nobody was safe anywhere. And as I started to say, it changed my life, um, you know, particularly it. Uh, touched me because of being born and raised and bred in New York City um, and never feeling, in a sense, that that left me, you know, always feeling an allegiance, uh, a love for New York City. So, of course, when the Twin Towers were struck, that was like a strike into my heart. But also, um, you know, it made me ask myself, because this is the biggest event uh, so far that we know of, right, uh, that is going to happen in our lifetime. And so it made me readjust or change my priorities. I mean, I was always doing things, uh, you know, things as a psychiatrist, helping people in various ways, um, different topics, you know, talking, analyzing the headlines in general, um, whether it's uh, something, you know, super serious or celebrities and using celebrities as an example for uh, teaching people about different psychological issues, whatever it was, being on television all the time and, and radio and, and um, trying to help people. But I then asked myself, well, maybe there is something that I can do uh, that is more, that is even more important. And so that's when I decided to become the terrorist therapist and to do things that would help people cope with terrorism, which was going to be um, an ongoing problem and is an ongoing problem. Uh, So I developed a terrorist stress hotline. Um, I had that for a while, you know, right after 9-11. Then I um, created an audio and video um, relaxation program that airlines played on their in-flight entertainment domestic airlines and foreign airlines, and um, it was to help people who, you know, a lot more people were afraid of flying because 9-11 was all about the planes that were crashed into these sites. Um, And then I wrote a book that was published on the one-year anniversary of 7-7, which is the British uh, 9-11 this is the horrendous attack that occurred on 7-7 in 2005 in London. 
And so the book was published uh, on the one-year anniversary of that, and I went to London and, um, you know, talked at the, at the ceremony that they had at the, um, at the, um, the, you know, at the gravesite, at the, um, they made a particular uh, place, well, there were a few places, and I was talking on that, and I was talking on the BBC and ITV, and, you know, help telling people what they could do to um, make themselves feel better about terrorism to try to decrease the stress that they feel about it. And I'll be talking about some of that at the end of this show. And then, um, and then of course, I do various speaking engagements all over. Um, well, my, my next book my, that I wrote was called, was the, it still is the first and only uh, book about terrorism for kids. It's called Lions and Tigers and Terrorists, Oh My, How to Protect Your Child in a Time of Terror. And the first half of the book is written for adults, for parents or grandparents, teachers, school psychologists, and it helps them to understand how to talk to kids about terrorism and how to recognize signs that the child is um, being affected by hearing various reports about terrorism, watching things on television, on the internet, and so on, and what to do about that. And then um, 88 things that you can do with your family or with a class to uh, build resilience. Because building resilience is something that we need to do now, not to wait for another attack. And um, then the second half of the book is a picture book for kids. And so, for example, um, it deals with what is a terrorist? All the questions that kids want to know the answers to. Um, what is a terrorist? I talk about how it's, a terrorist is like a big bully on the playground. Why do terrorists want to hurt us? Then um, after a whole section about terrorism, kind of, I like to call it terrorism light. It's an introduction about terrorism to kids, uh, kids 5 to 14. Then there's a whole section on how do you feel, and it's uh, aimed at helping kids express their emotions. Now that they've read about terrorism, of course, this is meant to be shared with a parent or grandparent and a child or a teacher and a child and so on. So then after hearing some uh, hearing about terrorism, then how, how do you feel? Getting them to express um, how this, how hearing about it, looking at looking at the pictures and so on, how that made them feel. And then the last part of the uh, section of the book that's for kids is 10 things that kids can do themselves to build resilience. So I am super passionate about this book. I've been, it's won awards all over the world. Um, Paris, London, New York, and Hollywood. And as I went to each of these places to receive the award for the book, um, I did speaking engagements and book signings and so on in all of these places. And it also won um, a Mom's Choice Award. So I am super proud of that book and um, wanted to, you know, like the expression, a chicken in every pot. Uh, I would like nothing better than for each family to have it in their home, each classroom to have it in their class, uh, each school to have it in each classroom, and, and to have it in school libraries, because the, even though adults like to think, just like we're ignoring the anniversary of, uh, of 9-11 again, 
um, adults like to think that kids don't know about this. Ah, they don't really understand this. Yeah, they might hear something on television about the anniversary, but they don't really know. Well, no, of course, now it's getting easier for kids to uh, not, you know, see or hear so much about it because it's getting to be less and less each year attention being paid to it. But kids really do know. I can tell you at all the places that I went, like bookstores, for example, and, and all over, London, Paris, you know, it, it, not just in America, um, whenever I would show the book to the kids and, you know, when they'd come up to have me sign it and all of that, or even before I do that, just while I'm talking about it, um, I ask, I ask the kids or they, they, just the way they're looking at me, they are so happy that somebody is finally talking to them about terrorism because they do, not just, it's not just about the anniversary of 9-11, throughout the year, you know, there are other attacks <laughs> that we, in various countries, um, and so kids hear these things, they catch snippets of it or they catch um, their, their friends talk to them about it, friends who have also caught snippets who don't really understand what this is all about. And, um, and so they, they, all they have are these snippets, and they're kind of, especially when they get to see the pictures, like on television or on the Internet, um, it, they are pretty scary pictures. And whether the pictures are 9-11 or the pictures are, are in Paris or London or... Um, Syria or wherever these pictures are uh, or, or just pictures of ISIS fighters, you know, in their black uh, attire and masks and the flag. I mean, these are, this is scary stuff. And so if, if parents don't um, show them that they don't answer their questions and don't show them that they're open to talking about it, then the kids just stuff down their feelings and um, don't ask questions. It's, you know, they get the message. They're not supposed to ask about this. And they just get more confused and more frightened. And the, the feelings get stuffed down and stuffed down. And then later on, they become psych- some psychological problems that are more serious. And we, you know we are seeing in kids um, more psychological problems. I mean, the, the terrorists are also models for school shooters. Why do we have so many school shooters? I mean, you know, of course, uh, of course, they're, they, the typical profile is that they come from a home where there is uh, abuse or neglect and where, and they watch, um, they're obsessed with violent media and oftentimes they come from a broken home and they are sometimes bullied and um, they're rejected sometimes by um by girls or people, peers, and um, and some, then something finally happens that that um, that makes them snap, that makes them decide today's the day. But they are modeling themselves consciously or unconsciously after real jihadi terrorists because they see what attention jihadi terrorists get in the media and how people are so scared of them and think of them as, as uh, so, you know, these, these um, like, bigger-than-life figures. And for kids who are feeling littler than life, it's very tempting for them to want to uh, copy them and, and, and create as much, as, as much carnage. Kill, kill, you know, there's, a, there's like, a, a competition 
when you when you hear what school shooters talk about, you know, they or what messages they leave on on social media or tell their friends, it's always I want to kill more people than you know than a terrorist or or the, I, I want to be the the one who kills the most people. Um, even with domestic terrorism, we've we've been hearing that um, where. They they talk about wanting to well one of the things they talk about is uh, they they give us a reason and this this was the recent garlic shooter in California when uh, he was about to start shooting and somebody yelled up at him why are you doing this and he said I'm angry now that goes for school shooters or shooters at uh, mass shooters at uh, concerts or events and it also goes for terrorists they are angry. So needless to say, one of the um, things that we need to be doing is um, is helping people to be less angry and for terrorists or uh, wannabe terrorists to de-radicalize them. But that is easier said than done because it is such a persuasive, the propaganda is so persuasive and using misinterpreting parts of the Quran that they then use to get people to become terrorists, jihadi terrorists, radical Islamists. That's what they are. They are not blondes in bikinis who are causing these terrorist attacks, who caused 9-11 and also who caused other terror attacks. They are radical Islamists, violent jihadis. Um, what else? Now, an interesting thing is that last year, 9-11, when Vice President Pence was giving a speech in Washington, he mentioned that about one quarter of the population of America was born after September 11, 2001. And of course, that number keeps getting higher and higher. So that means people who weren't around yet by 9-11. And so, of course, their only knowledge of it is by, uh, oh, the news, you know, the, the little that is shown on the anniversaries, um, and by documentaries that have been made, um, and by stories that they hear from their parents, their teachers, um, you know, other people in the world, things that they just come upon. But, of course, they don't have the same... Um, gut-wrenching feeling towards it as people who were alive then and who were watching television then. You know, you'll remember that at the very beginning, when the first plane hit the Twin Tower, uh, people thought it was just, it was an accident, maybe not a drunk pilot. I'm sort of being facetious, but certainly um, an accident, a pilot who ran into that building uh, at, just by accident. And it was only when the second plane went into the second tower that people were realizing, uh-oh, we're under attack. So it is hard um, for people who didn't experience that day to feel, have the same deep feeling about it as people who were around on that day, no matter what country they come from and were living in at the time. So that is why all the more we need to um, tell people, show people uh, what 9-11 was all about. 
because not 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 to frighten them, not to send them under the covers. Um, and I'm not certainly trying to send you under the covers and telling you don't go out into the world or anything like that. We have to go about our business. Um, you know, we have to do things we want to do. And in fact, we should really live more intensely going after our dreams more than we had because um, there's a realization that there is less time left than we originally thought. You know, in other words, that anything could happen any day. There could be another 9-11 or an attack um, or another person who was at ground zero will come down with cancer, with the 9-11 ground zero kind of cancer. And, um, and, and, you know, so for building up our military and our homeland security, rather than having them, <laughs> rather than having homeland security um, focus on climate control, uh, they should be focusing on terrorism. Well, when we come back, um, I will talk to you about um, what our mind does, why, how our mind does this denial, why we're all sitting around consciously not thinking about um, how we have to prepare for terrorism. By that, I don't mean duct tape. I mean becoming more resilient. Um, we're just sitting around having our lattes and feeling kind of uh, not quite as good as we did before 9-11. There isn't that same sense of uh, unbridled carefreeness, but not really a t- connecting it in our minds to 9-11. So I'll explain to you why that happens and what we should do about it. Stay tuned. the experts call toll free right now 1-866-472-5787 and ask our all-star team to answer your questions that's 1-866-472-5787 thank you for calling voiceamerica.com are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times do you want help then contact dr carol lieberman today at www.drcarol.com Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships, check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com Tune into the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, 
Here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch, where we're talking today about 9-11. It wasn't two drunk pilots um, flying into the World Trade Center by accident. And it is an inconvenient truth because terrorists still want to kill us. You know, I'm just realizing that's kind of ironic um, that I use this example because, as I was telling you before, uh, at the meeting that senators had at the 9/11 World, um, at the 9/11 Museum, uh, where they were talking about um, where it was a Senate Homeland Security Committee hearing, they talked about uh, climate change being a bit, you know, that, that Homeland Security should pay attention to to climate change, and of course, the movie for climate change. Um, was called an inconvenient truth. This is a much more inconvenient truth that terrorists do still want to kill us. You know, they don't see this as being um, a, a short-term kind of goal to destroy the West. They are in it for the long run. Um, and yes, the caliphate has been destroyed, essentially, um, in the Middle East, but that has not dimmed their efforts to uh, destroy the West, and if anything, it has re- made them redouble their efforts to do this because they're even more angry. I was talking before about people who, you know, active shooters being angry and wanting to kill people. Well, clearly, they are angry that their caliphate has been destroyed. And, of course, the problem there is that um, a lot of the people that, who had come to, um, uh, to the Middle East to the caliphate and other and nearby in the Middle East to join ISIS or Al Qaeda, um, they are now after the caliphate was destroyed. They are now going back to where or trying to go back to where they came from, and this is creating quite a problem for countries like the UK and and uh, France and America, um, because the question is, do you let them come back? You know, it's very dangerous to let them come back because they have not given up their ideology, their desire to uh, destroy, to believe in what's in the propaganda that they've been fed. I mean, basically, these are very angry people who have been fed this propaganda and find purpose in their life by adhering to it, by becoming a suicide bomber, for example. Now, all of a sudden, they can not only take their anger out on people by killing people, but they can feel as though they died for a purpose, and they didn't feel like they had a purpose in their life before then. So, um, let me talk about about this. some of the people, you know, of course, one of the things that does happen each anniversary, and of course, you know, this is extremely important that it continue happening, and that is the ceremony where the names of the victims are read, and we memorialize them and, and so on. And that's um, extremely important. Um, however, there are a lot of other people who died because of 9-11 who aren't quite getting the same due. And these are people like the first responders, the rescue and recovery workers, the residents of the area of lower Manhattan, um, the workers on, at Ground Zero, um, or people... In, well, I mentioned that, the rescue and recovery workers, but then also people who, who, whose job just happens to be near ground zero. And then also students 
who go to school near ground zero. Those people are the ones who are getting sick primarily from what's called 9-11 cancer. There are now over 10,000 people who have developed 9-11 cancers, which is greater than the approximately 3,000 people who died in 9-11 itself, you know, at the time of the crash into the World Trade Center. And the cancers that they're developing most include thyroid, bladder, breast, brain cancer, melanoma, leukemia, and non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. And this has been taking time to develop. These cancers have taken time because it takes time, you know, it acts on your, when you're exposed to carcinogens, um, it can take various times to actually cause cancer in your body. It has to do with mutating cells, causing malignant mutations in your cells, and then the cells having to multiply and cause symptoms, and then be able to be seen on medical exam. So, you know, that's why 10,000 people didn't suddenly become ill with cancer right after 9-11, but we are seeing each year more and more people develop cancer. And um, they're going to have to find a way to... um, to memorialize them as well. I mean, obviously, we can't have ceremonies naming 10,000 names, but um, there has to be... I'm sure, that, I'm sure that the museums are probably working on that. Um, when I, I've been at the museums and um, both the 9-11 um, Memorial Museum and the Tribute Center Museum, and especially the Tribute Center um, works on... Um, is is focused on uh, the families of the lo- who had loved ones who died, and of course the people who worked at Ground Zero, the people who were affected by cancers. In fact, the person who was giving us a tour um, had worked at Ground Zero, and he had developed cancer, and he was you know volunteering to give tours to people at this museum. Um, what else? Oh, I said I was going to tell you about why it is that we were in denial, how we managed to do that. Well, it's a thing called cognitive dissonance. And um, what that means is, you know, cognitive is thinking and dissonance is when there's a jarring, you know, when there's a separation uh, uh, between two things that's jarring, like dissonant music. Um, so it's when your brain is basically holding two different kinds of thoughts in it. And that is consciously when, you know, every day we are exposed to something in the media that relates to terrorism, whether it's domestic terrorism or a, uh, or, you know, of course now the anniversary or, um, you know, terrorism in another country Um, we hear something every day that relates to terrorism. And that is in our conscious mind that we hear it. But um, our unconscious mind, you know, it kind of quickly goes, descends into our unconscious mind. And our unconscious mind is there to protect us from thinking about things that make us feel sad or scared or uncomfortable. You know, it's things like... uh, Oh, 
<laughs> the uh, if you were bullied in school or if your parents um, did something that hurt your feelings or whatever. It's, 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 our mind is a video camera, and we register everything that has happened in our life. We can't always call it up from our unconscious video camera, but it is there. And the things, you know, painful things, um, a, a parent's death, for example, uh, painful things that we that happen to us during our life is are um, are buried in our unconscious, and then something can come along that will remind us of it, um, and then it comes more into our conscious mind. But so what happens is, even though even though we're exposed to something every day that should and does remind us of terrorism, we quickly push it down into our unconscious mind so that we're not feeling the feelings that we have associated with terrorism, you know, um, fear or sadness or, you know, all the things that I was mentioning, lack of security and so on. Um, So that's how we do it. Now, I'm not saying that we should go along every day and be thinking 24-7 about 9-11 and terrorism and we're going to get, a terrorist is going to get us. That's not my point. But what my point is that because it is in the media every day, again, I'm not talking about (laughs) not to confuse this with what I was saying about how the media sanitizes the anniversaries of 9-11, but since we do hear something about terrorism every day, um, in order for this stress, I mean, what goes into our unconscious are the thoughts about it, but the stress of it, the feelings, that um, we are under attack are affecting us. That is causing us stress, though we don't name it. What is in our unconscious are the names, you know, or the, this is because of um, what happened in Orlando, you know, Omar Mateen, the Orlando nightclub attack, the Boston Marathon attack. I mean, it hasn't only been 9-11. There have been other attacks that have been associated with terrorists. Uh, Al-Qaeda, ISIS, as well as domestic terrorists. Um, Certainly people who have traveled to Europe have, um, and certainly, you know, I, um, you may have heard me mention this before, but I lived in in London and I lived in Paris uh, and in Belgium where, that's where I went to medical school, and where Belgium is, a certain part of Brussels is overrun with terrorists, and and the Brussels terrorists, that group, um, were responsible, at least in part, for the horrible attacks in Paris in 2015. And uh, and I went to the to the um, Badaclan, one of the places that was attacked in 2015 in Paris, and it, it was a chilling feeling. I mean, so, and people notice, people from America who travel to these countries and love traveling to these countries, as I do, um, I, you know, it is very different from when I lived there. And people who never lived there but in, from America but who just like to travel there, like to vacation there or visit there and see all the beautiful things in these countries, um, notice the difference. Everybody has noticed the difference, and yet they come back here and then they push it under the rug again. Oh, well, well that's never going to happen here. And I'm sad that it happened in London and Paris, but it's not going to happen here. Right. <laughs> um, that is a 
forerunner. That is a picture of what's going to be happening here. Well, anyhow, um, I know I said I was going to tell you about how to prepare. Basically, <laughs> buy, buy my books. <laughs> how to prepare. Well, I do want to mention that again. Lions and Tigers and Terrorists, oh my. How to Protect Your Child in a Time of Terror. That um, will help you to prepare your children. And basically, since I don't have very much time left, I will tell you that the main ways of preparing, I mean, I go into this in a lot more detail in the book, but the main ways uh, is, first of all, doing things that you probably have heard about. Uh, some of the things that I talk about you've heard about, not certainly not all of them, but things to de-stress you. Recognize that you are feeling stressed even if you don't want to name it as coming from 9-11 or terrorism in general, the ongoing threat, do things every day to uh, relieve yourself of stress, whether that is um, putting flowers in your room, visiting uh, lakes and places of nature, um, doing, doing yoga, doing meditation, doing guided imagery. Just You can find all kinds of things that will decrease your stress. Plus, um, go to the doctor, check yourself out physically, you know, go to your family doctor and check yourself out and take care of any kinds of health problems, physical health problems that you have. And if you realize that stress is doing things to ruin your life or interfering with your um, social life, your family life, your work life, anything like that, then go to a therapist and talk about this and bring it out on the table. And, um, you know, I talk about, in the children's book, I talk about recognizing that children would be feeling scared, sad, mad, or bad. Bad is like just uh, not knowing how to name what they're feeling, but just kind of a general sense of malaise. So basically, you need to make yourself as if you were preparing for a marathon, which we are on. It's a marathon of being under threat for the rest of our lives. Um, as if you were pre preparing for a marathon, make yourself stronger physically and psychologically and do things daily. Get a pet, for example. Do things daily to take care of your stress. And please, please, please tell people that not to just put the anniversaries of 9-11 under the rug. Acknowledge it. Suicide, I was talking about that, how, how there's been an increase since 9-11. You know, the things, if you don't acknowledge what is bothering you, that's when they can hurt you more. Well, thank you for listening to Dr. Carol's Couch. Um, and I, I hope that this will help to, um, to remind you, but at the same time to actually make yourself get, out, get, get off that bed instead of being under the covers and do something to make yourself more resilient. Thank you for joining us on Dr. Carol's Couch. Join us next week at 1 p.m. Pacific time for another installment of Dr. Carol's Couch. We'll save you a seat. 